Today's podcast, ah, it's so special. I get to interview a cancer survivor and a spindle cell cancer survivor. She brings me so much hope. Um, She's been through so many reoccurrences and she is living life to the fullest. So I'm really excited for you to um, hear her story. Her name's Tish Beck and this is day eight of radiation. Welcome to the Drive Candice Radiation Podcast. Um, driving me today is my friend Tish Beck. Say hello. Hello. <laughs> hello. We are climbing up the mountain once again to head to radiation. And um, I am so excited to talk to my friend today because she is a cancer survivor, thriver of a woman. So, um, Tish, when do we meet? At church. I think you were um, working behind the desk and yeah. I was going to Bible study and we yeah. stopped and talked about your lip color. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I forgot about that. Yes, That's yes. Right. I do like a nice lip color. Yes. Um, so I love to talk about kindness on this podcast. I'd love to have our listeners think about kindness. Who's, who's done something kind for them recently? Um, so can you think of something kind some, somebody has done for you recently? My daughter just brought a tomato pie that she made, and she shared it with me for lunch just today. Oh, that's great. Yeah, she's a good cook. So what goes into a tomato pie? Oh, God. I mean tomatoes. Tomato pie, yes. (laughs) Tomatoes, I think she put mayonnaise and cheese, maybe a couple different kinds of cheese in there. Uh Uh-huh. And she told me the ingredients that I'm forgetting. And then you bake it off like a pie? Yep, just like that. It's lovely. I have never had anything like that. That sounds really good. Um, Okay, what is super interesting or fun for you right now? I'm enjoying trying some different types of art. I've always liked watercolor and uh, colored pencils, but recently my daughter bought some pastels. They're kind of messy, but they're fun to play with, so we're both enjoying that right now. Um, I love pastels because you can blend pretty well. And you are you using your fingers to blend or do you have a tool? I do both. I use my fingers a lot. And then she purchased something that looks like a little paper rolled up uh, pencil. So we use that as well. And I'm finding that I over blend. So everything kind of <laughs> turns a lovely shade of gray. <laughs> so I'm trying to calm down on the blending. <laughs> but it's fun to, to try a new thing. I like that. I um, am trying encaustic for the first time and that's like wax over the top you make layers of um with your paint and so but you can use um oil pastels and then when you put the you put the oil pastels they can it can you can use that kind of like a a watercolor because it'll melt them yeah so yeah it's really fun we'll have to get together and we'll we'll experiment with some of that stuff experiment i know okay is there a book a show, a podcast, or a food that you are liking? What are you recommending these days? Oh, gosh. Probably I just started watching something on OPB Sunday nights, I think at 8. And I think it's called Emma. I never seem to catch the very beginning. <laughs> but I think it's called Emma. And it's a young lady in the 1800s that kind of meddles in everyone's life and kind of messes things up. So wow. it's kind of fun to watch. That sounds like my kind of show. I love OPV for one. I love lots of things, but I love period pieces like that. Okay, that's a good recommend. I will see if I can research what that exactly is yes. and I'll put it in the pod show notes. Um, okay. This is uh, a kind of a fun question. Is there 
something you'd wish you'd known 10 years ago? Or what would you tell yourself 10 years ago? Well, I have a problem making quick decisions. I have to, I kind of overthink everything. So I think 10 years ago, I might have said, just cut loose and go do some stuff. I think when I overthink it, then I maybe decline an invitation because, you know, uh, not necessarily fear, but a little bit of anxiety about, yeah. you know, trying to keep things in control and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, and just be loosen up and go have fun. Boy, I think that's been a theme. I've had some other friends kind of say the same thing, where they wish they could just have a little more freedom and give give yourself, you know, permission to say yes to some stuff without having the anxiety behind it. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly. Okay. Tish, is there anything about me that you've always wanted to know but never asked? Well, a lot, because we're just kind of getting acquainted. We've you not are. had a lot of time to, to visit. And uh, so, yeah, stuff about, like, where you, where you were born and brought up and sure. stuff about your family, how many siblings you have. Uh, sure. Yeah, lots of stuff. Okay, well, I have a really wonderful family. I've been blessed with a really great family. Um, my parents, um, my mom grew up in Willow County, and my dad grew up in Beaverton. My um, my dad, his senior year, moved to Willowa County. They had family friends over there. And he wanted the experience of living and going to a small school. And they'd already, they'd gone over there and went hunting, so he'd been over there quite a bit. Um, so he moved there his senior year. My, that side of the family, very adventurous. Um, my, my mom's side of the family, classic rancher family, we don't go anywhere, right? <laughs> Okay, so polar opposites. So, yeah, my dad moved over to Alao County, and that's how my parents met. And um, I came along soon after, and so we we grew up, and I had, um, we kind of moved around. I have two younger siblings, um, two sisters, and we moved around a lot when I was growing up as my dad moved around. Um, he, he was a banker for a really long time, so he moved up in the bank. And then we landed in Hepner my, um, during high school years. And my sisters still live in Hepner. Um, I actually met Mike in Hepner through a roundabout way, through a friend named Kevin. And um, Mike shared that story on, on, the, pod, on the very first podcast, actually. Um, but yeah, we, I was one of those kids in high school who did all the things. I was really involved in all the things, which I'm, I'm still that way. Very, very extroverted little human. So, um, yeah, I was in sports and student government and drama. And if it, if it was an activity, I was trying to do it. So, which is really nice when you're in a small school like that because you have the opportunity to try a lot of things. Um, but because I think we moved around quite a bit, I learned some skills in meeting people. And um, I've, I have friends from a lot of the different areas I was a kid in. And um, yeah, so met Mike in kind of our college years. We got married um, when we were 20. And we, uh, he had come down to Eastern on, uh, to run track and we ended up just staying. We just stuck around. We got jobs here and just stuck around. So my moving days were done. 
<laughs> and we we've raised three kids, and um, our oldest is engaged, and so we're about ready to have a fourth kid, which we're super excited about bringing a daughter into our another daughter into our fold, and we love her, and yeah, so that's my family. Um, my parents, my mom and dad retired back in Willow County. They moved back there. And my parents were at every chemotherapy I had. And they, my mama would uh, make, make food and um, make things that sounded good, which was really hard because not much sounded good. And um, kind of do whatever she could to take care of the house and get us set for the week. Um, and then my dad would come, my sisters came uh, to be with me and Mike and the kids came. And that was kind of who went to chemo with me. Uh, we're, that, that's what felt good just to kind of keep it with the family um, because it was pretty precarious going to chemotherapy. But um, yeah, my family is very supportive and they, when I got diagnosed, uh, we had a big FaceTime chat with everybody and we we're kind of just like, here's the plan. And everybody was like, how can we help? And, and so that made it great because like for my kids, I knew that they, their, their aunts were going to check in on them, that my parents were going to check in on them, that everybody's going to check in on Mike and just make sure how, how's everybody doing? And so, because it's not just me going through it, it's everybody going through it. So, um, yeah, that's kind of my family in a little, little tiny nutshell. Um, we weren't perfect, not, nobody's family's perfect, um, but we do love to be together. And um, my parents did a really good job of, of trying to make that happen. They, uh, we always have some sort of family thing that we're doing during the year to make sure everybody's staying connected. So, yeah. Um, so that's something about me that you never knew, friend, which I think it's pretty amazing, too, because, you know, my my close friends um, were like they I've had lots of messages, probably from about 10 or 12 people who said I didn't make the driving list. I wanted to get on the driving <laughs> list. And then I've had these wonderful friends like you, Tish, where we haven't had a chance to get to know each other. And so it's really fun for me to be in a car with you. Sure. Yeah, it's so good. Okay, um, switching gears here a little bit. Uh, I want to talk about cancer with you, cancer survivor and thriver. Um, tell us your cancer story. Okay, when I was 42, I developed what I thought was a sore muscle in my left thigh. And um, I experienced sore muscles before, so I didn't think a whole lot about it, except for it seemed to really last a long time. And I happened to be anemic at the same time, which was kind of a blessing because because I was so tired, I finally went to the doctor and uh, first doctor I saw said it was probably a pulled muscle. And I said, well, why is it lasting so long? And he says, well, you're at your age, you know, these things take longer. And I said, but sometimes my hip hurts. And sometimes when I'm sitting on the floor, my left toe will tingle like it's asleep. And it was pushing, the tumor was pushing on a nerve, but of course we didn't know that at the time. And he said, well, you could have an MRI if you like. But when he said, if you like, I thought, oh, I don't think I want to go lay in a tube. <laughs> I was a little claustrophobic and it didn't sound fun. So I put it off another week or two and I was just so darn tired. I couldn't hardly do anything. 
So I finally went, we did the MRI, he looked at the pictures, looked like two big fat tadpoles sitting side by side. Wow. And uh, <clears throat> real long tail. And he said, you should probably have a biopsy, but then you'll end up going either to Boise or Portland and they won't like what I've done, so they'll want to redo it. So just pick a place and go. <laughs> so my mother-in-law and my husband got together, did a little research and decided to send, send me to Portland. So off we went, I did the biopsy. We found out it was a spindle cell sarcoma, which sometimes they call it something other than that. Now it's eluding me. Spindle, oh, spindle sarcoma, yeah, well, they have another name, soft tissue, soft, soft tissue sarcoma, there right. it is. So, uh, we did six months of radiation, started in November and finished in April, uh-huh. and then followed it with, um, I think, it's been a long time now, it's almost 19, 18 years, so I'm trying to remember if we did the surgery somewhere in the middle and then went back to chemo. But at any case, we did we resected the tumor, and everything looked good for a while. And so, but I'd go back every four months, and then every six months for checkups. And they always kept a close eye on my lungs, always a CT scan or an X-ray. Yes, because cell likes to yeah, lungs. right. Yeah. So we did that, and then everything still looked good. I had about two years of uh, feeling like life is getting back to normal, and then the darn thing showed up again. So the second time we did just radiation and surgery, and then we had kind of a repeat thing. Another two years where everything looked fine, showed up a third time, and we did what's called brachytherapy, where they insert these little metal tubes into your leg, into your thigh near the, near the uh, tumor, and then you lay on a table and you, they hook you up to something that looks like R2-D2 and they, they can remote control the little radiation tablets to the okay. tumor. So we did that and then again I think they had another surgery after that and they were very pleased because a lot of the tumor was dead cells. Okay. And then another two years passed and it came back again so we just did only radiation. I don't think there was a surgery that time and then somewhere after that, this was maybe, let's see, two, four, six, about eight years into all that, my femur was uh, weakened because of the radiation, so I broke my femur. I was riding, oh. I was riding a little oh. scooter with my grandsons, yeah. and it just, I thought I hit a rock, and I was going down towards the concrete thinking, what just happened? And then I realized, oh, my femur is broken. So. Um, after that, they took me life flight up to Portland, and they waited three days for a carbon fiber rod to come to put into my femur. So um, that got inserted, and then about, oh, and they took a, a blood vessel from my lower leg to feed the blood from a muscle in my back that was removed and put into my thigh. Sure. Because we were running out of space between the bone and the, you know, the skin. Yeah. So I had stitches from my shoulder down to my ankle, and um, oh that was a. That, and then my never my knee would not bend again properly. We did all kinds of physical therapy, but it would just never quite bend all the way. Yeah. So that was that was not fun. And then six months after that, the tumor showed up again beside the femur. So that's when we we actually had spoken about. Um, amputation about four years prior yeah. and our surgeon felt like that was not a good choice at that time his response was well we like to save life and limb 
So we okay. thought, okay, we'll go with that. So anyway, now, you know, if we had a crystal ball and could have looked into the future and seen that maybe amputation was the way to go, would have done it a long time ago so that I had more time to get used to the prosthetic and all that. But yeah. anyway, we ended up with amputation about six years ago uh, in June. So now I walk with a prosthetic and I use a wheelchair at home sometimes, mornings and evenings when I'm tired. Sure. But uh, now, and we still, we do one, every year I go back for uh, MRI on my residual limb uh -huh. and also the CT or an X-ray to reduce the radiation on my on my lungs. So, yes. so we're just following up now every year. Wow, wow. Yeah. yeah. That is quite a journey with spindle cell. Um, I know when you first reached out to me, because I hadn't heard of spindle cell when I got diagnosed with it, and um, I had two friends, and you were one of them, who've had spindle cell and survived. Um, and so it was encouraging to me. I was like, okay, I'm not the only one out there. Mine's definitely a weirdo, <laughs> but... Um, but because, like, a sarcoma is soft tissue, like what you were talking about, usually you can have a carcinoma or you can have a sarcoma. And our sarcoma is usually in a, if it's not in an organ, it's a soft tissue. And so um, for me, having the breast cancer one was just so, such a weirdo. But, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm also going to have to look out for my lungs and things like that because definitely spindle cell likes to move around. Yeah, so how did you cope with so many reoccurrences? Oh gosh, mostly just leaned heavily on family and friends and a lot of prayer and uh, tried to do things kind to myself. Like uh, I have a friend who does uh, massage and so I'd go see her and that was very helpful. And uh, just tried to find, you know, learning that it's good and it's okay to rest and take time. We, I didn't grow up on a farm. I grew up in Beaverton area, uh -huh. big city, and moved out to a farm when I got married. And it seems to be like, I don't know what the word is, or bad or wrong, or it's like, it's not admirable to be sitting around or laying around <laughs> when, yes. when you live on a farm because there's so much to be done all the time. So it took me a while to realize, you know what, my body needs rest and I need time to heal. And so I had to be teach myself that it's okay to lay on the couch, even if it's for hours and hours. <laughs> so, yes, it, it, it's hard because it's a switch for your mind to be like, because there's lots of things that you're, you want to do, but your body can only... It, it stops it you're done for the day and so you have to I, I like that giving yourself kindness um, and and gentleness um, yeah and grace to handle it um, what were some of the things that you learned as you walked through can your cancer journey oh my gosh I think one thing for sure was I realized that my family members the ones closest to me love me whether I'm fixing a meal or washing dishes or resting you know I always yes. I think I felt like I had to have some kind of value uh, because of what I was doing and uh, that's that's just not not true you know um, they love me because of who I am not because of what I'm doing yes. I think they appreciate that I wash clothes and and fix meals and such but they don't love me because of that yes. <laughs> so that was good and then too you know with prayer I think that uh, anytime you go through something tough, you either, um, you know, it can really hurt your faith or it can increase your faith. And you know, I, I was 
lucky that it's increased my faith. And I still, even after all those trials, you, you still have to sometimes just remind yourself, you know, how much you're loved and, uh, and how much you're cared for. It's so easy to get caught up in the, you know, it feels like a punishment almost. Yeah. You know, did when, I do something wrong? Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. And yeah. I, I can think of a lot of things I've done wrong, but I'm pretty sure I'm not getting punished. None of it. Yeah, we're not getting punished. No. Um, none of it deserves cancer. No. What, uh, what did you learn about God? Just the nearness, I think. You know, he's always kind of been way off on the corners and edges of my life. And uh-huh. I think uh, when you go through something like this and and you start praying more and just simple things like when people send cards with a Bible verse and it hits you differently than it would if you weren't struggling. Yeah. You know, it just it feels like such a personal message. Yeah. So just the nearness and the closeness is, is so much more than I ever realized. Yeah. I, I literally would take whatever messages were sent to me or cards um, or text messages or anything like that as... That, that's literally the voice of God speaking through that person to me that day, yes. right? And the timeliness of it is always just on point. Right. Yeah. How did you deal with fear? Oh, well, um, quite honestly, I went on some medication for a while because it got pretty extreme yeah. to the place where I was, you know, it was hard to function on a normal daily basis. So yeah. I had some medication to help me calm down a bit and then I went to a counselor who was very good Good. and uh, that helped a lot and then there's again reaching out to friends especially friends that I know were believers that that could kind of help me through some darker times so yeah because I told my husband at one point I said it's a lot like living with well one of my greatest fears here on this earth is, is reptiles. I don't like snakes at all. I said it's a bit like knowing that there's a black mamba living in this closet somewhere and it can come out whenever it wants, you know? So yeah, it was, uh, it, it took a lot of help, you know, from friends, family, counselors, medication. Yeah. I, I love that though, because I do think it, um, it does take all of that. Um, and I love that you sought help for yourself because sometimes we don't do that you know yeah we expect ourselves to be awfully tough and tougher than we think we are (laughs) (laughs) than we have that we know we are (laughs) yeah my body needs all sorts of medication and so does my mind sometimes right exactly exactly (laughs) i had a lady the other day uh tell me just to use all the tools in the toolbox that's right that's right that's right um so because i think that's super healthy to because i i do feel like we you're you're plunged into a place where you absolutely need assistance and um and it's a choice that you have to make to be able to kind of overcome the feeling of your pride or or your fear or your anxiety about asking for help and it's a it's a big ask sometimes because you're already at that level of trauma yes yes well and two i i lived a pretty healthy life up to that point you know i don't i don't remember anything i broke a leg many many years ago in gymnastics and uh, of course that was just a temporary thing and it mended and got on with life but uh, yeah when you don't have to ask for help often then it's yeah it's a whole new thing yeah so that was a big lesson you learned were there any other lessons that you can think about that you learned um, I think just allowing to let people help you and um, not feeling like you have to reciprocate, you know, just let them help because it helps them feel good in most cases. 
you know, I don't think they would come and ask if they if they could be of help if they didn't want sincerely want to do it. So yeah, to take the help and just be glad for it. Yeah, I know when I'm helping somebody, I also get a kind of a blessing out of that. And you kind of if you if you deny somebody, you deny them that blessing. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's really good. What else would you like to share about cancer? Well, <clears throat> I didn't say this uh, carefully, but it's like it's it's so many places. It's like your your family can't really avoid it. You're somebody's grandma or yeah. an aunt. Somebody's gonna have it. So uh, they're just doing so much research right now. In fact, that the sarcoma that I had. Um, they, at the beginning of all this, which was like 18 years ago, they knew very little, but now at, at the end of this, uh, it's been, like I say, about 18 years, they have found out that these spindle cell sarcomas are in three categories. One that likes to move quickly, and usually to the lungs. One that you can resect it and never see it again. And one that it reoccurs and reoccurs, and like mine did, over yeah. and over. So at least they have them into those three categories so they can treat them differently. Now I think if mine had been diagnosed this week, they might have just gone ahead and done the amputation, you know, right yeah. away. Yeah. And all that chemo and uh, radiation could have been avoided, but I don't, I don't know that, I'm guessing now. But uh, so it's just a lot of research and I think that every day we're here, you know, the research is moving forward and they're gaining knowledge and so just, you know, hang in there and they're going to find a cure someday. I yeah. believe that. Yeah, I, I do too. I feel like they, the oncologists that I have met are the, oh, they are just so passionate about getting you healthy. Was that your experience? Did you have some good oncologists? Um, actually, my oncologist, um, I didn't see a lot of him other than an occasional pop in to check on me during my chemo sessions at the university. I saw my surgeon way more, and yeah, I think he was genuinely very concerned for me, and uh, yeah. yeah, liked him real well. felt felt great about having him as my surgeon, and I'm glad he's still available to me, and I enjoy going to see him now. I mean, there's always a little bit of fear, of course, <laughs> but I, as a person, yeah, I really appreciated him. And he told me too. I was in a little interview on something called Patient Power way back, and so he and I were on a phone chat with a guy. Andrew Shore is his name that does that show. And he, Andrew asked me a question about having hope for the future and having hope to overcome this. And I said, well, at the beginning of this, when I found out that I had cancer, my surgeon said to me, we're going to get you through this. He said, You're, we're going to knock you pretty flat, but we'll get you through this. And just the fact that he said, we'll get you through this, was I hung on to those words. Like, yes. I just believed him. I thought, yes, we are. Yes. Just because he said so. <laughs> yes. I had an oncologist say to me, um, just because this is rare doesn't mean that we can't treat it. And I was like, oh, I needed to hear that. Yes. And I've been holding on to that, too. They are powerful, and it has to come from somebody who is in the field like that, who sees it all day long. Um, because anyone could say me those, those things, but it's something when your physician says it to yes, you. Yes. Um, so last question. You get to heaven. You've had a long life here on this planet, and you get to heaven. What do you hope God says to you when you get there? Oh, 
Oh, that's a good question. I think he just says, welcome, you've done well, and I'm so glad you're home. Yeah. Yeah. Who's the first person you want to see? Oh, gosh. There's so many, but my grandpa, uh -huh. probably Clyde is his name. Uh -huh. He was just so dear to me. And my mom and dad are there. My grandma's. Yeah, there's, there's a lot. And I did, I had a miscarriage many years ago. Lost a little boy, so I hope to see him. Yes. Yeah, I love that. Well, um, we are driving past Wild Horse right now. I'm headed into um, my third week of radiation. I'm starting to feel some symptoms where I've been, um, I had a, a weekend where I was pretty exhausted. So, which honestly, for me, um, exhaustion, I'm, I'm living in exhaustion all the time, but in fatigue, but it did, it did hit me a little harder. And so it made me have a little bit of some PTSD from chemotherapy actually, cause I, you just almost feel like you're gonna get plunged back in to, to not living life. And, um, and so it can be kind of overwhelming feeling to head into this third week, but I am really thankful that I don't have any skin issues as of yet. And that's really good. And, um, I'm excited because I'm just getting closer and closer as I, you know, can check off. I have a calendar with all the dates and I, I'm checking off every one that I get done. And um, we did get my thyroid um, surgery scheduled for September. And so as soon as I get done with radiation, we'll head in to get this other little tumor out, which I'm calling Chad. Um, Chuck and Chad um, can just be gone as far as, I, as I'm concerned. So thanks everybody for listening in and tune in next time. We'll have another fun talk um, on what everybody's in, into and fun things. And we'll also have a conversation about cancer. Thanks for listening in. Thanks for listening in, friend. I really appreciate it. This is really fun for me. But I hope for you, there's some takeaways on just being a good neighbor. Just somebody who's willing to, to jump in and say, yeah, I'll help you out. If you are a cancer survivor, or if you're currently going through cancer, please know that my heart is with you, that my prayers are with you, and that you are more connected than you realize and you are more loved than you could ever understand. Please tune in next time. We will have a great time on the podcast, driving over the mountain where I get radiation and make the best of it. You know what I'm saying? Have a great day. Mm -hmm.